Oh, good morning. It is great to have you here today. You got a beautiful drive on in, beautiful morning to get out of the car. Weather's kind of perfect if you're a cool weather person, and sky is brilliant. Today's a, a little different. My sidekick is not here. He and Riley and Emmett and Griffey have been getting things moved from Frankfurt on over to New Lenox, and so gave him uh, a little time here to breathe. But I want to say thank you to all of you who were either involved in helping muscle things in or getting a trailer to him or whatever was needed in order to make that move. It's going to be nice to have him uh, closer to church, closer to school, closer to us. It's going to work out really well. So I just want to touch real quickly on you get your weekend update. Everything in this today uh, is going to be talked about more as we move into the teaching today. So we're not going to dwell on that an awful lot because we'll be We'll be talking about some of those as we work through uh, what we're doing is some practices together in order to grow. So one of the practices that we've taken on is every day we're trying to do some reading together. So everybody involved in church is reading the same thing, not at the same time, but sometime during the day. Trying to find a way that we all are on the same page isn't the easiest thing, but Solomon, in his wisdom, inspired by the Holy Spirit, has made it at least uh, a little bit more accessible. So the book of Proverbs has 31 chapters. And in the longest months of the year, there are 31 days. So we've committed from now until the end of 2023 to reading a chapter of Proverbs a day. Like I said before about Proverbs, it's, um, it's incredibly practical doesn't require a ton of, of deep interpretation. Most of the messages are right there on the surface, and as you're reading through it, you start to see that within 20, 25, 30 verses, whatever is listed there, you're going to have at least two or three verses that are going to, the Spirit is going to use that to really speak to you and something that you can take into your day. So uh, we've been, on the day that we gather, reading the chapter that correlates with the day. October 22nd today, so we're going to take some time to look at Proverbs chapter 22. I'm going to read it aloud, and as I do, just be um, open, open to what the Spirit uh, might be saying to you today. I'll have a couple of comments along the way. Choose a good reputation over riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. The rich and poor have this in common, the Lord has made them both. I love that verse. I mean, we, we, everybody was made by the same hands, God himself. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. True humility and fear of the Lord leads to riches, honor, and long life. Corrupt people walk a thorny, treacherous road. Whoever values life will avoid that path. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Just as the rich rule over the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. Again, this isn't, it's not forbidding borrowing or, or even forbidding lending. It's saying uh, there are consequences, you better know them. Those who plant injustice will harvest disaster and their reign of terror will come to an end. Blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor, throw out the mocker, and fighting goes, on, goes out too. Quarreling and insults will disappear. Whoever loves a pure life and gracious speech will have the king as a friend. Remember, this is Solomon writing this as the king. So he's saying, these are qualities that, that, uh, that I find attractive in a person. 
The Lord preserves those with knowledge, but he ruins the plans of the treacherous. The lazy person claims, there's a lion out there. If I go outside, I might get killed. Or in other words, some people come up with any excuse to not do what they have to do. The mouth of an immoral woman is a dangerous trap. Those who make the Lord angry will fall into it. A youngster's heart is filled with foolishness, but physical discipline will drive it far away. A person who gets ahead by oppressing the poor or by showering gifts on the rich will end in poverty. Listen to the words of the wise. Apply your heart to instruction, for it is good to keep these sayings in your heart and always ready on your lips. I'm teaching you today. Yes, you. So you will trust in the Lord. He said, I have written 30 sayings for you, filled with advice and knowledge. And then we list them. In the same way, you may, not, you may know the truth and take an accurate report to those who send it to you. Don't rob the poor just because you can or exploit the needy in court. For the Lord is the defend, their defender. He will ruin anyone who ruins them. Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people or you will learn to be like them and you'll endanger your soul. Don't agree to guarantee another person's debt or put up security for someone else. And it's interesting because in other parts of, of Proverbs in the Bible, it'll basically say, rather than lending it to them, just give it to them. If you can't pay it, even your, even your bed will, snatch, will be snatched from under you. Don't cheat your neighbor by moving the ancient boundary markers set up by previous generations. Do you see... Any truly competent workers, they will serve kings rather than working for ordinary people. Father, I, I, I'm grateful that there are so many different ways that you present your word and your truth to us. Sometimes it's in a, it's in a complicated teaching like that of Paul, and other times it's just in these short one-verse sayings that are filled with wisdom and guidance on how we should live. I pray that as we're working through this together as a church, uh, you, will, you will highlight at least a verse each day for us and say, this is, this is the area that, that I'm looking to transform you and will live into what we're reading and seeing. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've been grateful as I've had conversations with you that, that a lot of you are doing it. You're, you're going ahead and taking on reading or listening to that chapter of Proverbs of, day, of the day. For some of you, you, you use the Bible app, uh, version, their Bible, and, and I use that as well. I'm following that plan. And it's fun, at least this first time around, to see that as we're going through highlighting verses, it seems like we're, we're highlighting five to ten verses per chapter. There are so many different truths that stand out uh, from the Word of God. And then many of you talked about uh, taking on praying this past week as well and what God's been doing with that. So, so I want to go ahead and re review those a bit. Uh, there are three practices that we're putting in place for this ministry near from now on through May, uh, practices that we're putting in place to grow personally and individually, but also to see how God would grow us supernaturally through what he chooses to do in us. So the first is just what we talked about, reading a chapter of Proverbs a day. And like I said before, we're reading the chapter that correlates with the date. So today was the 22nd. Take the time to read the 22nd, uh, uh, chapter 22. What you'll find, <clears throat> based on your wiring, your personality, is that there are, there are ways that work for each of us taking in the Word of God that might not work the, way for, the same way for someone else. Some of you will choose to listen to it. 
And when I, for me, as much as I love listening to Scripture, when I'm listening to Proverbs, they're coming at me too fast. With Proverbs, I need, I need to read it so that I can see it, think about it, and then move on to the next one. But what's important no matter what is that you're taking in the Word of God. And then, when you get the chance, have conversations about it, whether it's with your family, uh, people you meet with in small group, maybe even a conversation on Sunday morning. Talk about what you're reading together. The second we introduced last week, and that's that we're going to pray three times a day together. Now, that doesn't mean that we're all going to gather three times a day at Southfield and do our praying together, but we're taking three common themes, and morning, noon, and night, we're praying to God. Now, I think it might have been misunderstood a little, misunderstood a little bit last week because I talked about the, the nature of fixed hour prayer in the Bible and that people prayed at 9, 12, and 3. We're not identifying 9, 12, and 3. We're identifying morning, midday, and evening. Morning, midday, and evening. So what I'm suggesting is if you're going to do the morning prayer, do it as you're waking up. Many times this week, I did it literally laying in bed or sitting on the side of my bed. I think there was once that my brain was pretty blurry and I said, I better at least get downstairs and have coffee in my hand and then I'll go ahead and do this. But before a screen, before turning on the TV or checking email, spend some time praying. And this prayer is taking the Lord's Prayer as an outline. So our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That is just pause and realize you're in presence of God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven that's that message all of us need to hear every day. God is God and I am not. He's in control and I am not. And I'm releasing the grip. I'm releasing the control. I'm saying, God, what you have for me today, what you have for us today, I'm open to whatever you're bringing. You're in control. I am not. Give us this day our daily bread. It gives us a chance to, to stop and ask, God, there are things my family needs, I need, my church needs, my world needs, and we bring those needs to God, realizing that he supplies for this day. And we need to come again tomorrow and ask again. Remember, people in Bible times didn't have a, a freezer full of beef. They had to every day ask God, I need today's food today. And the reality is, we all need today's food today. There are things that God is going to supply today. Forget about tomorrow. Today is what matters so give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our sins, forgive us our debts, whatever word you use, as we forgive those who sin against us. That's a moment of confession. A mo and what I love about the way uh, the, the app we're using, I'll talk about the app in a minute, but what I love about the way the app works is it says, stop and ask God what you've done wrong. We're pretty good sometimes at thinking through, we know what we've done. Why don't you let the Holy Spirit reveal to you an attitude, a thought, an action that he's saying, this is what needs confessing. So forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is a chance to pray against Satan. This is a chance to realize there is a cosmic battle going on against every human soul. This is, it's not just what we see. Satan and his demons are fighting against your godly activity. And so we pray against the activity of Satan in the world as we're waking up knowing that as much as we're in the presence of God, Satan is roaming this world looking for those whom he may devour. 
Yours is the kingdom, power, and glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord, thank you again for your presence. We talked about um, using an app for this. I've, I find this app really helpful. It's called the Inner Room. If you look at it, uh, as you open it up, you see that you can actually use it for several different things. You can use it uh, to write down requests and move through your requests. They call that a prayer board. We're actually using, if you look at the middle, the middle screenshot, at the top there's a little box. If you open it to the default, it's going to say my board. You've got to hit the carrot and go down to daily prayer rhythm. The first is an introduction. You only have to do that once or once in a while to know what you're doing. But the first one, that morning prayer, is what we just did right now. Taking the lines of the Lord's Prayer and saying them. And then, there's, and then there's a girl that comes on and suggests some things you might pray. So I love using it, and the part that's been a little handcuffing to me is they give me 30 seconds of silence, and I'd like about five minutes. But anyway, it, it moves pretty quickly. But I love that, that within eight minutes, you spend time focusing on God first thing in the morning. The second one, Midday prayer. This is where we're praying for the lost. I love this because what we want, we want the heart of God. Where's the heart of God? The lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. And too often we lose focus that there are people in this world that need God. And by lost, I'm not saying they're not at Southfield yet. I'm saying they're not in the family of God yet. And so we identify some people in our lives that, that we need to be praying for, that they come safely home to God. So my sister lives in New Jersey, and uh, she happened to listen to last week. And as she did, she loved this. She said, hey, no, you don't, I don't go to Southfield, but do you mind if I do the rhythm of prayer too? And I'm like, no, you don't go to our church, and you live in New Jersey. Ew. No. I said, of course you can pray. Of course you can pray with us. So she's been praying that lost prayer. She's been praying for some people that she's known for a long time that are lost. And this past week, here God opens up opportunities for conversation. Part of that is, as we pray for lost people, our awareness is heightened. We're aware of the people's needs. And there are two other parts of that prayer I really love. It says, God, give me compassion for them. Because sometimes we forget that lost people are captives of Satan. And the things they do, yes, they're making choices, but, but Satan is the one prompting them. And then the final part of the prayer is, God, send me. Send me to reach out. Not to just, God, let them become a believer, but perhaps you'll use me to see that happen. So that's praying the, the afternoon prayer. Evening prayer is all about gratitude. So the morning is as we're getting laying in bed or sitting up, or by the time the first cup of coffee is happening, no screens yet. Afternoon is sometime between when you wake up and when you go to bed. I don't know what your afternoon is, but sometime in there, have a lost prayer. What I found with that one a lot of times it's happening when I'm driving. I've even been in the middle of a conversation with somebody and realized I haven't prayed yet. And I'm praying in my mind and heart, even though someone's standing there with me. Evening prayer. This can be as you're laying down in bed. For me, a lot of times it's on the couch downstairs in the quiet before I go up to bed. And it's a prayer of gratitude. And it's not a simple listing of thank you for this, thank you for this, thank you for this, thank you for this. But they use this word dienu, Hebrew word dienu, which says it would have been enough. So it's like, God, you gave me ice cream, and that was great, but it had whipped cream and cherries and Hershey, Hershey pieces and all kinds of other good stuff, too. Thanks for the whole Sunday. It's taking the one thing and realizing the way that God really lavished blessing on that particular more moment. So you're, you're praying to a new level of gratitude. And what a great way. You're afraid you might fall asleep. Oh, my goodness, what a great way to fall asleep. 
thanking God for things in life. Rather than mulling over what you're frustrated about or who you're angry with, you're spending time in thanks to God. So then there's one other suggestion I have for you if you want to do this. If you're an app person, I like apps. I find them helpful. What I often find with apps is they don't offer me everything I need, and so i got to go find another one too. This is an app a lot of people have used through the years. I'm going to have a video playing um, No Sound, No Words. I just want you to see it as I'm talking. This app is called Echo. Just like the other one, they give you, they give you slots where you can enter your prayers, things you're praying for. And then you can say, I want to pray for 10 minutes. And you set a timer, and it times out the requests you have and just brings them up. So you can be literally looking at them as they're coming up for you. The two pieces that I like of this that are helpful, because I'm talking about prayer and community, not just by ourselves, you can create prayer groups. So you can share your group with other people, and we're all praying common prayers together. So maybe you're in a small group, a journey group. You might use this as a tool to pray together. And then they have something else called a prayer feed. And for, the, for us, this is, this is what I love about it. I'm able to write a request to everybody who's chosen to follow the Southfield feed, and you immediately in the app get a prayer request. So I'll be using that to send along some of the things that are daily bread prayers or gratitude prayers uh, that we can offer up to God. So that's what the feed page looks like. That's actually Vaughn Van Eck when we were putting in the, putting in the gym and he was writing a, a prayer on the floor. There are prayers written all over this floor and all over the church underneath the flooring still being lifted up to God. So, so we have this opportunity to read together every day. We're praying together three times today, three times a day. And the last commitment is let's be together. So let's read together, let's pray together, and let's be together. Three things that we're going to work on from now on through May. Let's talk about let's be together. I told you last week it would be related to this picture, to this picture of this house. A couple weeks ago I shared with you that my youngest son decided that he wanted to give me kind of a monumental decade birthday present, and so uh, we got to go to a Buffalo Bills game, and it was the one against Miami. I was nervous. They had gotten 70 points the week before, and we schooled the fish. We taught them how to play football, and then next week we lost to Jacksonville, whatever. But anyway, um, the day I was there, we won, and we won big. We slammed them. There was no question who was dominant. So we went on that trip, and I had, ex I had planned on a far more extended trip, but then the wing got broken, and I couldn't drive. And so we had one day the day before to wander around uh, western New York between Buffalo and Niagara Falls. I grew up in a place called North Tonawanda. And I want to take my youngest kid and just kind of wander some of my haunts and adventures and say, this is, this is how this old guy became who he is. So we went. If you are ever going to go to, uh, go to Niagara Falls, would you please talk to me first? Because there's so many things to do in Niagara Falls. And you all go to the big water and you're like, that was neat. Okay, now we can go home. No, there are so many cool things like this place. This place is called Devil's Hole. It's, it's down the gorge, lower Niagara River, and you walk these steps and paths all the way down to the bottom. You get at water level. Uh, it's right at the bottom. Uh, right at the bottom there is Niagara Power Vista. So this is a hydraulic power plant that can power 13 states. I know. I went on this field trip multiple times. So... Down there, there are people fishing, and there's this jet ski that goes, that jet boat that goes by. Amazing spot to be able to experience nature. It is a bit of a walk, and it's an even harder walk back up, but it's beautiful to get all the way down to the water on the, um, on the lower Niagara River. You go up the highway a little bit, and there's this place. This is called the Whirlpool, Whirlpool State Park. 
So Niagara River is flowing along like this, and all of a sudden says, I don't like this direction. Vroom, and it does this. It makes like a, a turn, boom, really hard turn. So right there, it creates this, this whirlpool action. You can stand up there and see this beautiful, beautiful water. And then there are some people that <clears throat> need help. They get in a gondola and actually go over the top and stare at it. I just like crazy. No way. <laughs> Keep going up the river, and of course, there's the big water in this place. I love the little island between, between the American Falls and the Bridal Falls. Great spot to be able to observe, actually stand at the edge, look right on down. This particular day, Canadian Falls was just misting so hard. We were, we were drenched in seconds. It was crazy how fast we got wet. And we're just, we're enjoying the beauty of that. But I had to, I had to show Nate some things that had to do with our family history. So over to the other side, that tower and whatever, that's Canada. I don't have a passport anymore, so I can't go over there. Used to be able to just walk over, pay a quarter, hang out. So pre-passport, we went to this spot right over here. You see that dome there? And you're looking at the dome, and that, so that's a garden over there, really pretty garden. And, and that red arrow right there, there's a bridge there. And I took Kim over there on August 20th, 1985, and as she was walking up the bridge, I got down like this, and she turned around and saw me, thought I dropped a quarter. No, she saw me and goes into immediate terror. I asked her to marry me, and that's where she said yes. <laughs> About a half hour later... I am not joking. I mean, it got to the point of like, so? You're just going to keep the ring? I mean, what, what are you going to do here? And as you know, yeah, she kind of said yes. So anyway, we got, we got engaged in a foreign country. It was so cool. Um, then I wanted to show them more of home. So we headed back down River Road to North Tonawanda. And this park, this is the park where... I worked for the parks department. I got to mow and uh, collect garbage. And, and part of what I, I you know, just kind of took it so for granted. This is my hometown. Right there, that arrow, that's the steam of Niagara Falls. From my hometown, I can see. There's Niagara Falls right there, so close. We went up to the next park. It used to be called Fisherman's Park. I loved fishing there. They now call it Veterans Park. That's cool. Um, and when we went there, this lady caught a five-pound bass. About all I've caught there in my lifetime was seaweed and perch, and she catches this beautiful five-pound bass. I'm like, this is amazing. So this is not too far from where my dad worked in the steel mill. There was an ironworks here. This was lined with factories back in the day. And we decided to head on in. It's funny because I kept telling, saying to Nate, we'll go to lunch now. And I'm like, oh, i got to show you one more thing. So the one more thing was this cool old house. This is the house that I lived in from birth to five years old. Birth through my first day of kindergarten. This is where we lived. And I wanted to take this picture from the van because I took a picture of the back of the house and, and then the other picture was taken in this direction. That's the church where we went. So that's Our Lady of Chestahova and that's where my mom and dad got married. So it was all right there, really, really close. Went to a couple other places along the way. I'm like, okay, let's go to lunch. Oh, but before we do, let's go over to Marion Street. So this is my grandma and grandpa Pap's house. They raised six kids in this house. I don't think it was more than 1,200 square feet. Tiny little place. And the garage there, one-car garage made of cinder block. My dad tells a story of being in there. Railroad is all over the place right there. They'd go wander the tracks, and they'd find these dynamite caps. They'd put the caps on the tracks, and the trains would go over, pop, pop, pop. And you knew how close they were. They found some of those. He takes them back there, puts it on, put it, puts it on uh, his dad's vice, and gets a hammer. Boom, 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 boom. It pops. Couldn't see for three days. He can see now. He's fine. They had a lot of eye things going. One time my dad did bow and arrow with my uncle, popped right here, his eye popped out. Not kidding. 
He walks in the house holding an eye like this. My, my, my grandma, good, good Hungarian lady, boop, you'll be fine. He can see to this day. I'd be throwing up all over the place. That ain't happening. Yikes. You look out their front window and you stare at this factory. I mean, that gives you an idea of my life growing up was there's blue collar and then there's, you know, we were just hardworking factory town. So here's another kind of fun but scummy picture. This was one of my favorite places to fish. This is about 10 blocks from my house. We'd walk there under the Division Street Bridge. And we caught suckers, and we caught carp, and we caught uh, catfish, and occasionally a perch. Rumor has it there were northern pike in there. Never saw one. But what I did see, as you're standing there, you look off to this side, there's this pipe. And this pipe has water flowing out of it. And in the spring, it would flow with toilet paper. So we're reeling in, and you'd be going like this. You see, sometimes I actually appreciate the EPA. This was one of those, they, good guys. Go up the road about a quarter mile, there's this dock. That's where my dad worked across the, across the canal, called Exelon, no relationship to the nuke plant. But I remember standing on this dock and staring out this direction when Mount, Mount St. Helens erupted and the beauty of the sky from all that silica that was floating there in the sunshine. So I said, let's go to eat. But before we do, Let's go check out my elementary school. We went on over to Spruce School. I loved this school. I mean, this, I, if I hadn't done this, I would have loved to have been a teacher back at Spruce School. I loved Spruce School. So before we go to eat, I, we got to go to the old house. So this was where I lived from five to, to leaving college, going and getting married. We did not have air conditioning, I promise you. In the winter, our neighbor did not want us to pile snow on his side. So all the snow in our driveway had to go in the backyard or the front yard. I wish I had a picture of this. In the winter, it was always piled to the bottom of the front window. Always. And we'd dig tunnels and have fun in our front yard. It was the best. So um, this was our backyard. Look at that. That's pitiful. There's not, my dad got those bricks. They were ripping down a kiln at work, and, and he asked and got the bricks, and he put them there so that we could park another car in the back. And the back part was our garden. I mean, it was just a tiny little thing, just next to nothing. Okay, we finally went to eat. <laughs> you all think you know chicken wings because of that Buffalo Wild Wings place? Blah, this is a chicken wing. These are, oh my word, I was so happy. And then next to it, that's called a beef on wick. So this is a Kimmel wick roll. What they do is take this beautiful Kaiser roll and they cover it with caraway seeds and rock salt. And they put beef on it. I mean, right here. This is why I will only live to 67, okay? <laughs> I mean, my heart attack is lined up because of this right here. Oh, it's so, so good. So then we got done with that. I need to show them another. This is like one of my favorite places on earth. I love, this is right on the river. We go sit at this park. And the red, arrow, the red arrow points to Tonawanda Island. There's a little marina there. Best fishing day of my life. And me and my cousin were, were there, and, and a storm was coming in, and the perch were spawning. We caught like 50 perch in 20 minutes. Every time, boom, 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 boom. It just kept going. And then the blue arrow, that's where my dad found a dead body as a kid. No kidding. He, a, a, a guy fell off a barge in Lake Erie, and the body floated on down. It was really bloated when he found it. He ran a mile to the police station, and he says, and that night my mom had spaghetti, and it's the last time he's eaten spaghetti. 
<clears throat> we did a few other things, but I thought it was really important. I'd never been to the grave where my friend was buried. Could never find it. It's way out in the country. Uh, this, this cemetery actually has Revolutionary War soldiers buried in it. Been there a long, long time. Back to the house. So this is the house I lived in from the time I was brought home from DeGraff Hospital until my first day of kindergarten. And um, this house is actually in our family for a long time. My mom grew up in this house. My mom learned to smoke on that railing when she was nine years old. <laughs> for some reason, she said I couldn't do the same, but she learned to smoke there. The, the upstairs, it was, it was two family. And so the upstairs, you see kind of the long area there between the two windows. When my grandpa died in 1944, they laid out his body there because they didn't do it in the funeral home. They did in the house. This house, when we moved out of it in 1968, was 99 years old. It's an old, old house. You look at the downstairs, and right in the middle, you see a door there. <clears throat> That's the door when I'm a little older than Emmett, but not a whole lot older than Emmett. My dad walks and opens the, opens the door, and he's standing at the storm door looking out, and he didn't know, but I toddled up, stood there, and then he shut the door. And the door wasn't shutting right, and he pushed, and he pushed, and he pushed. <laughs> and when the door started to cry, he opened, and, oh, what are you doing down there? So, got a nice scar up here to prove it, and I think a broken collarbone and two ribs that we found much later in life. That happened on that day. Way off to the right there, right? Yeah. Those are um, steps go up to upstairs. And they were the scariest. I mean, you imagine Halloween steps. Somebody's going to jump out and kill you. These were the steps. And at the top, there are always moths flying around a light. And we'd walk in there, and my brother would start screaming his lungs out as we went upstairs. So we lived downstairs from birth until a little after two years old. And when my sister came along, we moved upstairs. And um, when we pulled up, there was a guy in the driveway, and the lady came walking out, and I said, this was my family house, and I kind of described what happened. She said, do you want to come in? Really? Really? I walked inside. Folks, I had been in there since I'd been a little over two years old. I could remember it. And no, those of you who are younger, you're like, of course you remember from the pictures. No, there are no pictures. Back in the day, it was too much work to take a picture, okay? This isn't cell phone land. I could remember it. And, and, and it was in that moment as I'm driving that I have this realization. I've not been back home since 2003. And I didn't realize how much I needed to go back home. It was nuts. I'm like, what is, what is this goofy thing going on inside of me that I just, I needed to come back here. I needed to come home. I needed to remember this place that formed me, these people, the smells, the way the light hits, everything about it. I just needed to go back home. For those of you that have lived here all your life, I don't know if you know what that feels like, you know? To go back to a place that you were a little kid, and remember it. It's, there's such an attachment there. And I think God allows those attachments for a reason. He allows those attachments because he says, that feeling you got right there, that's what I want you to feel for me. And that's what I want you to experience in me. 
You keep thinking you're going to, when you finally get to get out of Illinois and move to Tennessee or Texas, you're going to finally be home. You're not going to finally be home until you are in the arms of God. I'm not saying places, this is a great place, I loved it. That place is not home. Home is with God. I've raised the quote so many times. Augustine said, you have made us for yourselves and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Our hearts are homeless until they find their home in you. That's where home is. Home is in God. We're engaged in a lifelong longing for home. Ever since we were born and the separation of sin happened, we've known that there's a home and we just can't find it. God's people, this family speaks to our longing for home. We walk into a church and we start experiencing something that feels a little bit like Dennis going back home to North Tonawanda. You go, there's something here. I feel something. I sense something. And the funny thing is, it's not all about the church. It's about what it represents. It's another touch point with our true home. It's another touch point with God himself in our isolation and in our loneliness. We sense connection with the people of God. Isolation and loneliness mark our times. Why are suicides rising so rapidly? Isolation and loneliness. People wanting a home and they're not finding it. And they may even go to a church and say, yeah, it's nice, but I'm not right. You're not finding home because home is always only ever in God said it before as Moses is standing there on Mount Nebo and God is saying, you're not allowed to go into the promised land. I suspect by that point in his life, Moses said, that's okay. I finally realized my home is not a piece of dirt. My home is you, God. My home is you. So when I look at Acts 2, 42 to 47, what I realize about these people is that their relationship in the body of Christ helped to expose the fact that they had found their true home. They had found their true home in God himself. And I think when Southfield is, is just working at its finest, it's not because we're pulling off the best program or awesome worship or whatever. People are finally getting a reflection whatever really means to be at home with God because they're among people who have realized that their only true home is with God himself. As you look at 42 to 47, we talked about them being devoted to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, and prayer. But then there's another devotion. They're devoted to each other. They're devoted to being together. Again and again, it talks about together experiences. Meeting daily in the temple courts, together. Meeting each other's homes, together. There's this together thing going on all the time. And what's sad is together is what God wants for us, but modern life tears it together. It, it's, it really, we don't realize it, but it is, a, it is a satanic assault on our souls to rip us apart, to not experience together, whether it's as a church, a people of God, or even in our physical families, there's a constant tearing at together because as long as God can, or as long as Satan can keep us isolated and lonely, we're not at home where God wants us. Modern life tears right, together. Our conveniences separate us. Both those homes growing up in North Tonawanda, neither of them when I had lived there had two things. They did not have air conditioning and they did not have a garage door opener. Well, my dad did have four garage door openers. 
we'd pull up and he'd say, get out and open the garage. And it was a heavy garage door. I still think that bicep tendon was because of that. But anyway, we'd get out to open the garage and guess what? Mr. Monty would be in his backyard and you'd look over. Hi, Mr. Monty, how you doing? Now, boom, back cave. We pull in. We don't have to say hi to anybody. I walk Emmett a lot these days in our neighborhood. Do you know how many times I wave and people don't wave back? Everything about modern life is isolating and lonely. Air conditioning. Oh, please, don't take away my air. But when we didn't have air, you knew what was going on out time, outside. You'd hear noise out front, you knew. The neighbor kids were playing kick the can and you wanted to get outside. You wanted to be out among. But air conditioning and even remotes have caused us to go into a, a, a layer of isolation we don't even realize. It separates us. Our technology isolates us. I don't have to tell you that when you know it. Just the fact that you can be in a crowd of people and you're doing this, craning your neck once again, looking down instead of looking up. Or you get involved in the technology of Facebook where we're all supposed to be friends and boom, boom, relationships are being blown up all over the place. Technology isolates us. Our schedules fragment us. Try to do something with someone else. Hey, you pull out your calendar, I'll pull out mine. Somewhere in 2024, we might could possibly get together, right? Our migrations sadden us. How many of us have had friends that we've grown our roots into deeply and they've grown theirs into us who are now living in Tennessee or Texas or North Carolina or South Carolina or somewhere else and there comes a point that you have enough of those people move away that you say, I'm done digging deep into other people. I'm tired of them walking away. It hurts too much. And our media and our families program us. Media, by program, I simply mean, you know, we all stare at the same thing. Staring at the tube, staring at the screen. We're not, we're not interacting with each other, we're staring straight ahead. Our, pro, our families, for some of us, when I say church is a family, people go, blech. You want to meet my family? Bunch of axe murderers and freaks? Nah, right? We want nothing to do with family because of what our family of origin has been like. And then we hear church as a family. Like, can we come up with a different analogy? I don't want to do family. All of this is tearing at together. But God wants us to be together. People everywhere are experiencing isolation and loneliness, but God is saying, get together. It is not enough to come to church on Sunday morning and say, I was there. God wants us to connect while we're together. He wants us to connect. So I'm going to offer to you three commitments. We're going to really press into one, but there are three in all, all right? The first is this. It is time for all of us to rediscover the sacredness of Sunday. To say no to everything else and say 9 to 12, I'm here. I'm not crowding my life out. with Now I know. We go on vacation. I'm not saying you never go on vacation again. I'm not saying, you know, you're sick and throwing up, I better go to church. Uh, I'm saying we should never find ourselves saying for the next three months I'm scheduling something between nine and noon outside of being with the people of God. And we need to rediscover a place of, a, a place of rest, and that rest is on this day. In six days, God worked, and on the seventh, he rested. God needed a day to stop. Believe me, you need a day to stop. You're wondering why your anxiety is through the roof. You never stop. We are made in the image and likeness of God. God stopped. He's saying, I want my people to stop too. 
And so for each of us, we need to examine where, we are, where are we in terms of the sacredness of Sunday? Then further, to invest outside of Sunday morning. Because this is what we've got, right? We've got this time together, and then there's no other formalized time of all of us being together. And so it takes some investment outside of here. That's what these people did, right? They, they'd get together in each other's homes. They spent time with each other outside of the, the formal commitment of a Sunday morning service, time together. One of the suggestions we're making, you know, I love journey groups. And what gets hard about journey groups sometimes, again, is the scheduling thing. Oh, that topic looks great. I'm never free on Tuesday. And so we, we, ought, we end up with these scheduling conflicts. What if you were to form a group that wasn't formed by someone else? What if you actually gathered a few people or a person together and said, let's get together for the next two weeks? So I love this. If, if you go on to the link that was in the update, Go to groups. There's one there right now that, that talks about staying connected. It's, a, it's six videos, about 10 minutes in all. You don't even have to watch them together. You can watch them separately, okay? And, and just watch the topic. It talks about different issues of, of deepening intimacy with God. It offers questions and prayer. Why don't you just get one or two people and say, let's do this together? Schedule it together. But it's not coming a centralized thing. This is us initiating relationship, conversation with each other instead of somebody having to do it for us. So these are two things I'd love to see us lean into. But, but let me give you the third. And this one, I don't know, it might, it might cause you to break out in an allergic sweat, but think about it. You're here already. We're together. But let's face it, we're not, we're not really having a together experience right now. We're all staring at Dennis. I mean, I know a few of you have been talking, I've been watching. But outside of that, you know, you've been, you've been, this isn't together. This is in the same room, but we're all watching a common experience. But we're already together. So what if you made this new commitment? I'm going to stick around for seven minutes after church. I mean, oh my goodness, that's it. Seven minutes. I've watched it, man. Some of you, some of you, I mean, you, 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 you could be in the Olympics for how fast you make it from your seat to your car. Boom, just go. It's, you're off and running, right? You, because you got to get to the game or you got to get first in, it's not old country buffet anymore, but you got to get in first in line to, to the restaurant or whatever it is. What if you went, hey, we're already here. Why don't we just stick around for a few minutes? Let's say seven, for example. Seven minutes. Just I didn't even put, let's show up seven minutes early. That would be another joke. I mean, we're, we're, we're not really pressing our, no, no, no. You're already here. Seven minutes. Make a commitment to seven minutes of being together and having conversations. You're like, well, how do I do that? You go track, and you just talk. I, I'll tell you what I'd suggest. It's really hard to watch people walk into church alone. I'm sure they don't want to be alone. I'm sure there's somebody at home that they wish would come with them or somebody that's already gone to heaven that they wish was here. But they come in alone, and it's not the easiest thing as an adult to just connect with other people. Would you look around for the person who I say stick around for seven minutes and they're going... Walk up and say hi. Find out their name. Make a connection. Set a timer. For the next seven minutes, we're going to talk. Then we're done. I don't know. Just 
find some people to connect with. What's really sad is that you've been here two, three, four, five years and say, I still really don't know anybody. So we're going to use that seven minutes at the end to spend some time being together. Now, you didn't plan on it today, and some of you are still going to race. I get it. You weren't ready for that. But, <laughs> but next week, talk to the family ahead of time and say, okay, leave your track shoes home. We're going to stick around. We're going to stick around for seven minutes. So here are our three commitments. Let's read together chapter of Proverbs every day. Let's pray together three times a day. Morning, Lord's Prayer is an outline. Afternoon, praying for the lost. Evening, gratitude. And let's be together. Let's just stick around for seven minutes. The big seven-minute commitment to start developing connections and relationships within the family of God. Lord, in doing all these things, we're, we're not just doing them as activities to check off boxes. We want to grow. We want to be transformed. We want, we want to look more like Jesus. And we know that growth happens through receiving your word. It happens through talking with you. And it happens through relationships with others in the body of Christ. And so help us to lean into these commitments and in doing so to see personal transformation as well as transformation in the entirety of our body, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. And so now we're going to go to communion. And as we do, I'd encourage you to talk to God about reinforcing those commitments, about seeing the growth that might take place this coming year. Use communion as a time to confess sin, to offer to God areas that you need. You need to say, God, I'm sorry. But also, as, as you approach the elements today, would you just stop and realize that it is in Christ you finally found home? And one day we will be at home with him in heaven forever. Let's go to communion. So we're going to pray morning, noon, and night, but that doesn't mean those are the only times that we pray. And I've found that one great way to pray is music. I mean, I've seen you move, move the mountains, and I believe you can do it again. Not just listening and thinking, wow, that was a beautiful song, but taking the words and lifting them to God in prayer as you're holding on to the steering wheel and screaming your lungs out. Lifting up prayer to God. We're going to lift up two beautiful prayers to God right now. And both of them are prayers of gratitude. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. Let's stand together and sing these prayers. There's these moments that when, when you're open to God doing what God wants to do, when you say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, when you say, you're in control and I'm not, sometimes he does things huge and sometimes even just small that you go, there you are again. And I could never have planned it that way. Uh, Shelly will often sit in our living room and kind of plunk out a song, what do you think about this one? And I knew this one was coming, but I hadn't really paid attention to it except for, I've witnessed it. I knew that part, but the rest was kind of out there. And so, uh, Michelle, take us back to the beginning of this song. When I was lost and all alone, your presence was where I found home. I mean, I had, they could have been sitting in the congregation today and written those words. Home is in God and nowhere else. All these other things give us a taste of home, a feel of home, a positive illusion of home, an illustration of home, but, but it is only when I, we finally find ourselves resting in God that we are home. 
Some of you are in church, uh, a search for a new church home, and you might even think, I found home. No, you found Southfield. Home is in God. And we give the people the opportunity through relationship with them to realize what home feels like. But ultimately, home will only be realized in the arms of God. So, in order to get that feel of home, we need to talk to each other. We need to look each other in the eyes. We need to spend, oh, I don't know, seven minutes together. <laughs> something like that. And I know there, there are at least 75% of you sitting there right now going, I hate this stuff. I'm, I'm not good at talking. I'm not good. Nobody is. Why do all these apps exist? You want a friend here? Do, do, do. Oh, let's go on a date. Oh, that was rotten. You know, it's never easy to do the hi, my name is. It is for a few. My dad could make... Friends with a tree. I mean, he, you, there, there are a few people like that, and the rest of us just sit there sweating, going, oh, no, he said we got to talk for seven minutes. Well, we're going to give you some assistance. Final slide, please, Michelle. And there's a magic timer, and the music has begun. For this next seven minutes, enjoy each other's company. Have a great day.